Hello, my name is Rochelle Innocent and I'm the founder and CEO of Project Purpose. Welcome to our channel. Our community is focused on fostering the intellectual and character development in children. We do that through our parent-child workshops that focus on four themes, autonomy, self-efficacy, compassion, and self-concept, in order to cultivate grit, resilience, and perseverance in each child. Project Purpose's overarching mandate is to renew and rebuild families, communities, and relationships. Our YouTube channel provides us a platform to cover all topics that relate to families, communities, and relationships with ourselves as well as with others, with a primary focus on education and mental health. More precisely, the ways that mental health and all things related to the field of psychology as well as education have played a role and are currently playing a role in our societies at large. Our discussions and debates provide us an opportunity to think critically about what needs to change within these structures in order for us to live up to our bold slogan, support, protect, and empower our children through youth-focused development, otherwise known as leadership in juvenescence. We recognize that in valuing our children's leadership potential, it also means recreating and co-creating environments, socially as well as politically, in order for our children to thrive. Now, as is the YouTube convention, please do subscribe, hit that post notification bell so that you're aware of every time we post. And of course, if you enjoy the content and you want to keep the conversation going, please do like, comment, and share this video. Let's get into it. I'm very excited about this video because this is number four of the fundamentals that I wanted to put out. And I told myself, Rochelle, if you're gonna start a YouTube channel, in late, late 2020, you need to do at least four before 2021. I'm super proud of myself for honoring that commitment because I think I've been able to put out these four videos within two weeks, within a week and a bit, not even two weeks. And I think that I'm really psyched about that. So this, this last video is me putting on more of a vulnerability hat. So I know my first video is an introduction to Project Purpose for those of you who haven't heard of it, and also an introduction to the philosophies that are, build the foundation of Project Purpose. And then my next two videos were a little bit more cerebral where I provided my opinions on what needed to change within mental health as well as what needed to change within the educational structures um, in order for us to help our children to thrive. Now, this video is on wellness. And wellness is something that impacts all of us individually, whether you know we are single, whether we're part of a unit, whether we're part of a family, all of us form the sum of the parts within the society and all of us have our own personal journey towards wellness. And I don't think that anyone's a, you know, made it. Like I'm not that person who thinks that there's like this end state of wellness. I think this journey is ongoing, but I think that my path has been unconventional enough that if I share it with you, hopefully it will empower you on your journey to wellness. And hopefully by sharing with one another, we can lend support and we can protect and we can empower each other through our stories and through our lived experiences. I mean, on my journey, I've reached a stage where I found peace, fulfillment and satisfaction and having felt those things and those being sort of the core of, of, of who I am and what drives me now, I can't help but want to share it. So that's what I'm here to do. I mentioned in my earlier video that I'm Canadian. I was born and raised in Canada. Those were my lived experiences. My background, however, my heritage is I'm of French Caribbean descent. So both of my parents are from Haiti, 
while growing up, I grew up in tiny rural town, so I wasn't necessarily immersed with, you know, within a Haitian community within Canada. I didn't have a whole lot of insight or understanding of what it meant to be Haitian and sort of the gist of what I understood was it was a lived experience and it wasn't my lived experience, so it wasn't for me to claim. And as an adult, I can say I wholeheartedly disagree with that. I think that, you know, having that disconnect and not under not really understanding where my heritage was or where I come from, I think that that was something that I felt was missing. And as an adult, I've looked into the history, I've learned a lot more about what it means to be Haitian. Even while I was living in France, I was in Paris and Musée d'Orsay, which is a beautiful museum there, had this wonderful exhibit on the Haitian Revolution and the way that it impacted the world. And I bought this massive book that I'm gonna have so that when my children have questions, I'll be able to answer those questions for them. Uh, I consider myself a yogi. I'm someone who does yoga frequently and I do it for, you know, emotional reasons as well as the physical benefits. And I wouldn't call myself your typical yogi, you know? I'm not all peace, love, and acceptance all the time. That's definitely not me. It's been a journey. So I think that that's me some of the time now. Truth be told, I'm an overachiever. I am. I'm very competitive and I love competing. I love winning. I play to win. With integrity though, with integrity. You know, some might say I'm very results driven and I'm also strong-willed. I'm a strong-willed human being. Um, to give you a couple of, of Cole's notes, I mean, I did a double major, so I did two degrees with honors. I did professional writing, specializing in institutional communications, as well as cognitive neuroscience. And halfway through those degrees, I decided to work full time because I didn't want to compromise on my autonomy. Not to mention, I was the pioneer at my school, having been the only one who decided to, to do those two degrees together. And I remember my academic advisor was like, oh, well, you know, these aren't complementary. These aren't naturally complementary. No one really takes these two degrees together. And I was like, well, that's fine. These are the two that interest me. These are the two I'm taking. I'm not really concerned about what other people's journeys are. Um, another note that gives you a bit of insight into who I am is I went to the top business school in Canada. Um, so I did my master's in business administration at University of Toronto. And while there, I was able to get the Social Engineering Award and I was one of the nominees for valedictorian upon graduation. Another note that gives you some insight into my personality is when I graduated from my MBA, I decided I wanted something completely new. And I moved to France without any job prospects with a very rusty French. I mean, I grew up in a French household, but if you don't use it, you lose it. And also with this ambition that I wanted to do a career transition, I wanted to work in consulting. And I was able to integrate myself in France despite having all of those odds stacked against me. And now for that pièce de résistance, I miss this COVID craze. I am breathing life into Project Purpose, my baby, this company, and you know, she's growing. And I've been building her steadily for the last two or three years. And I decided this is the time to really focus my attention on her growth and on getting the word out as to what it is that you know we're trying to accomplish within this company so all of that to say and that might you know for some people they're like oh you know that's uh <clears throat> you know when i share those tidbits about myself creates different assumptions about my orientation and who i am as a person um and you know 
that's fine. I, I don't think I mind the assumptions that people might make when they hear about some of the things I've been able to accomplish and some of the experiences that I have. But that's not all there is to me. There's an other side of me, believe it or not, that only a few people have gotten a glimpse of through the course of my life and probably, like most likely, in my younger 20s. So I mentioned that I'm a highly sensitive person and again, this isn't just like a catchphrase. There's a neurophysiology to it. So it's, it's, um, it's a state of being as well as it's my hardwiring as well. I feel emotions very deeply and my physiology is wired to be very responsive to my environment around me. I'm very touched and impacted by the people, places, and experiences in my life. Um, so I guess, you know, and, and that's something that I had to struggle with. That was a struggle to accept. I came from a family of high performers and my, my sensitivity made me the odd one out. I, I definitely feel that my sensitivity made me feel as though I didn't fit in with the family dynamic. I learned at an earlier age that the emotional part of who I am, it was better to hide that part in order to protect it. And I protected it behind my competitive, performance-driven, strong-willed side, which is still very much who I am. It's just not all of who I am. I guess I could say that I felt, you know, I was raised in an environment where I didn't feel that my sensitivity was valued and I didn't see it as a benefit to me. It was, it was never sort of highlighted as a benefit. It was, I saw my sensitivity as a weakness and as a fragility in myself that was one, a liability, and two, incompatible with the way that I wanted to be seen and the way that I wanted to be received by the world around me. So about seven years ago, that whole schema, that way of thinking started to, it crumbled. You know, I, seven years ago on my birthday in 2013, that all changed. But believe it or not, in 2013, I had a freak accident. So I was operating a blender that had tempered glass. So that, meant, that means that it's meant to be able to handle hot contents. And it exploded and I was injured. I was horribly injured. I had second degree burns all over my upper thighs. So the contents spilled over on my legs. This was a pivotal moment for me because up until that point, I really wasn't mindful of my body. I wasn't mindful of my body. It did what I wanted it to do. It never held me back. You know, I wasn't self-conscious about my body. And my emotional side was, again, very tucked away. I didn't really have, I wasn't tapped into, nor was I very connected to my emotions. <laughs> like, if you met the Rochelle of 2013, I was very goal-driven. It was just... You know, one goal after the other goal after the other goal. And then my emotional part and, you know, my body just, it, it just came along for the ride, you know? And I don't think there was any complaining. Like, I took very good care of myself. It was, I've always been very mindful of my nutrition and of physical activity. Um, but my emotional side, again, tucked away. Um, and this moment, this injury, it changed everything for me. Um, I still remember, so I don't know if you're familiar with first second or third degree burns but my some of some areas of my burns were so deep that I was having conversations with plastic surgeons about scaling about grafting um one of my burns was just over my knee so I kept re-injuring the burn whenever I would bend my knee it was a very difficult experience and it was a two-year recovery period 
hearing that, that it would take minimum two years and most likely more because as you can tell, you know, I have a lot of pigment. So where the journey might end for someone with less pigment than me, for me, the, the doctors and the plastic surgeons were figuring out, well, how much time would my actual pigment need to resurface? Because pigment actually resurfaces with like the growth of hair. They weren't sure if my hair was gonna grow back. Like it was this entire ordeal, entire ordeal. And what ended up, what happened as a result of this is my body needed to slow down. And I, up until this point, was so focused on always being able to do what I set my mind to do. I didn't know how to respond to my body's need to heal and my body's need for a change in my type A overachieving, hyperactive sort of lifestyle and behavior so that it would have the time and space for healing. And not only this, this, you know, was an emotionally... <laughs> Like if my feelings were well hidden and tucked away before this accident, I was in, um, I was an emotional head case. Every time I'd look at my legs, I would bawl my eyes out. Every time I'd talk to the doctor, I was just crying all the time. Um, and I couldn't stop the crying. It was just, it was such a traumatizing experience for me. And for those of you who know me, I'm not one of those dignified criers. I mean, there's some people, they cry and it's like very pretty and dignified, you know? And I'm like, you know, when, when you hear about weeping, wailing, guttural sobs. That is more in line with how I am when I've decided that I've had enough and it's time to let these emotions out. Like it's not pretty at all. Um, I remember once in the third grade, <laughs> and I'm not this bad now, but you know, uh, once I was like in the middle of the playground crying. I think all of us, I'm hoping that all of us have had this moment. I'm just like wailing my heart out. And I remember this boy stops and he looks at me <laughs> I think his name was Frazier. And he was like, you sound like a cow. <laughs> you know, like when I cry, it's from my diaphragm. So I want you to think about like how much pressure comes out when you're like focusing from your diaphragm. Um, and like, at least that made me a little bit self-conscious about the way I cried. I don't sound like a cow anymore, but really I'm, I'm kind of close. And with his injury, I, I wasn't only crying when I was injured. I, I was crying all throughout at least the first year. At least the first year, I would have sporadic moments of, of guttural sobbing. I would just bawling my eyes out. I think the idea of slowing down really scared me. And I didn't want to slow down. I wanted to will my body into healing. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to do everything you need me to do for my body to heal. And it also was two years with zero sun exposure. Um, UV rays, um, your skin reacts very, um, your, your skin is very responsive to UV rays and when your skin is healing, especially when you're trying to get your pigmentation to come back, you don't want it to hyperpigmentate. So I had to really make sure that regardless of the season, my legs were always covered. So there was a two year period where, you know, just covered head to toe. For 2013, I did start a new job that required a lot of traveling, it required a lot of movement. And I tried my best to just ignore the fact that I was also focusing on physically healing my body and then dealing with the emotions that came with this healing process that was going to take me 18, 18 months at minimum in order to kind of reach a state of stability where I could start to have a normal life without thinking about whether or not I was exposing my legs or my body to harm. I remember uh, when I was interviewing for this job, it was a panel interview, and I remember my boss at the time, or maybe it was her boss who asked me, you know, Rochelle, what's work-life balance to you? 
And I utterly failed this question. I mean, I, I failed this question so rarely. And after I started working for them, I realized how badly I had failed. But, you know, I got the job, so it wasn't totally a miss. But my answer to what is work-life balance was, oh, you know, if there's a project, you work really hard, you put in the hours, it doesn't matter how long it takes. You do what you need to do, and once it's done, and you feel like you've achieved success, then you treat yourself to a vacation. And I remember there were crickets. Literally, no one spoke. Everyone was just kind of looking at me, like, who is this psychopath? Um, and I thought I answered really well. I was like, yeah, you know, like... Work-life balance is work first, win, and then, you know, treat yourself to a vacation. And I thought, you know, Michelle, that was a great answer. In any case, I tried to bulldoze my body back to health by focusing on trying to maintain the lifestyle and the routine that I had before I was injured. And what was the byproduct of this? The byproduct of this was I started getting stomach ulcers. So I was stressing myself out so much with trying to pretend that I wasn't, you know, injured and I needed to heal that my stomach started having a really bad response to different foods that I was eating. And it took them almost the same amount. So I think the stomach ulcer started maybe six months after my injury. And it took them almost two years to figure out what was going on. And in fact, they didn't figure out what was going on. Um, they had me on um, a medication that like reduced the acid in my stomach so that the ulcers would stop forming. But I ended up branching out from Western medicine. I was just so sick and tired of being on medication and doing these broth diets and not being able to hold food down that I went and saw a homeopath who did a food screen. And turns out I am pretty close to the cusp of having celiac disease. And the reason why the tests that my doctors were running, because they were running tests for celiac disease, since that was sort of how my symptoms were showing up, but because of spelt. It was the one flower where I was less intolerant to it. So because of this spelt flower, I was testing negative for celiac disease. But luckily, I saw this homeopath. I did the food screen. I did an elimination diet, which takes six months. So like, think about all of these timelines. I'm someone who you know is used to being very physically active, very healthy, not being slid on for anything. And I needed six months, but then I was healed. You know, like I had no issues. I cut gluten out of my diet completely and I had a complete change in orientation. And I think, you know, between 2013 and let's say 2016, all of this taught me a whole lot about life. And it taught me that I could, even if I had the ability, and I did, to will myself to accomplish a goal and, you know, ignore my body and ignore my emotions along the way, that that wasn't the right way to live. And at some point, your body will be fed up with you. It was, it was the first time that my body needed me to pay attention to, to my body and I needed to, like, allow my body to dictate my limits. Um, and I wasn't able to acknowledge or accept that because I just was so used to my body just following me and following directions. And my emotions, I had suffocated them to such an extent that all of these emotional, you know, outbursts that I had, like it was just, you know, I felt like it was almost an introduction to my emotional self. I didn't even know how to deal with my own emotional outbursts sometimes. And it also taught me that there are going to be events in your life that change those limits. I mean, if your threshold for something is this high, then after this event, for a period of time, you need to like lower your threshold. Like even if you could push that high, like your body and your emotional self needs you to bring it down a couple of notches, it's always better to just listen. 
the experience taught me that I need to adapt, acknowledge, and respond to my needs, my body's needs, as well as my emotional needs. And it is not, it was never in my best interest to put those needs to the side. You know, who knows? And like with time, like I am, you know, I'm not injured. You can bury like my scars, which were like very visible when I first got the injury, but like you can't even see them. Like I'd have to point out, point them out for you to even see that I was scarred. I didn't need any plastic surgery. And they all thought that I needed plastic surgery at the beginning. But because I recognized this like halfway through my healing period, I started to just listen to what my body needed. And when I was emotional, rather than feel shame, guilt, or frustration with my emotions, I learned that it's best to just acknowledge my emotions, accept my emotions for what they are, and respect the fact that I feel that way. Like, it doesn't help me to be critical and judgmental on my own emotional state, because, you know, your emotions are what they are, and sometimes they just need space to be there, and if you are there with them, it just makes it a little less painful if you can have that acceptance and have that respect and acknowledgement of your emotional needs in that point in time. Who knows what, like slowly with time, you can go back to being that high performing, you know, Spartan warrior that you are, if you want to. If you don't want to, you don't need to. You can completely change your lifestyle. Um, but it's important to acknowledge when a life event requires you to shift those gears and to adapt and to be responsive to your physical as well as your emotional needs. I think that experience taught me the importance and the absolute necessity to listen to my body and to my spiritual self. You know, I'm not human. Like, I can will myself into any endeavor. Like, if I'm in yoga and there's someone who's twisting themselves into a pretzel, I'm like, you know what, that looks cool. I'm going to twist myself into a pretzel, too. I will force my body into a pretzel. And sometimes that's just not good for any for anyone. All jokes, all jokes aside, those two years of physical healing were transformative. Those two years of physical healing were transformative for me. Being forced to slow down and to focus on my body's needs and learning what my body's needs were and even the elimination diet. It was an opportunity for me to really get a sense of how my body responded to certain foods and how many of us are disconnected from that. We don't even know like what it is that's making us sick and we're eating it on a daily basis because there's this disconnect between what we feed ourselves and how our body is responding. And I think recognizing that my injuries were not going to take less than two years to heal. I needed to realize that my lifestyle was going to need to change drastically for at least two years if I wanted a chance to have a normal, healthy existence without scars and without grafts and all this, you know, all these other alternatives that they were offering. Like if I could take two years to just focus on my body's healing, then, you know, the reward was worth the wait. Um, and that requirement, making that decision changed me so I said it changed me so what is different well I'm still you know my inner <laughs> I guess my inner spiritual animal like my spirit animal is a Spartan and I know that that's not one of the options but I I would consider myself a super Spartan still very type A I'm still very competitive you know I'm still results oriented I love goals but all within my limits now I've learned that I value who I am emotionally. I've learned to value who I am emotionally and I've learned to value my being physically, um, which means that like, I'm not afraid to say, you know, as much as I'm competitive and I'm results driven and I'm like hyper-focused and type A, I'm also emotional and I'm sensitive and I need, the, I need those parts to be valued equally.
I think that experience of focusing on my healing and that healing needing me to focus for two years, it taught me about self-love in practice. It taught me about self-acceptance in practice. And it freed me from needing to, you know, achieve these benchmarked milestones and these norms because I was tapped out of that sort of mindset for at least two years if I wanted to live a normal life beyond two years. Having to pay such close attention to my emotional and my physical needs, it taught me now that, you know, I'm, I'm healed, I don't have to worry about my legs anymore, but it taught me to be more mindful and more in tune to my emotional needs in social settings and in social environments. And it taught me, you know, because I'm a strong person, I'm a tough I'm a tough Tammy. I mean, I don't look tough, but I promise you, you know, I am a tough human being. I can take a lot. Um, but I think the experience taught me that just because I can handle different situations and different people and, you know, different circumstances, it doesn't mean I need to. It doesn't mean I need to expose myself to those things. And I think self-love means opting out of those settings and of toxic environments. And I think probably around 2016, I started cutting off a lot of people. I started changing the way that I valued people and the way that I expected people to value me and how that needed to sort of show up in the way that we interacted with one another. I look differently with different people. I mean, before I had, I was okay if people were, if my friends were competitive with me. Um, and, you know, I had friends who couldn't be genuinely happy for me. You know, we're always competing with one another. So our accomplishments, you know, there was no opportunity to celebrate our accomplishments. It was just always trying to one-up one another. And I realized that those weren't the kind of friendships I wanted to nurture. There are people who are envious of your success. They love you at one level, but as you climb, you know, all of a sudden it changes the dynamic of that friendship. And I realized that, like, I didn't need to tolerate that and I didn't need to make room for that toxicity in my life. There are people who slander you, who undermine you, who, who are manipulative towards you, are manipulative to the people in your social settings. And you know, these are people who couldn't be upfront with you. Like they're not gonna say it to your face, but they'll try to manipulate circumstances in order to kind of control your behavior. And all of this behavior up until this injury, I tolerated and I, I didn't see it as a problem or as, you know, tolerating this behavior was an expression of me not loving myself enough. I didn't put those two together to realize that, you know, I love myself enough that I don't need to expose myself to these types of people. And I, I realized that I had these types of people, I had these types of people taking too much space in my life. And slowly, the more that I listened to my emotional self, so my spiritual side, the more I started to value the sensitive part of myself and this, this perceptiveness that I had, the more that I allowed myself to be vulnerable and the more that I embraced this vulnerable part of myself, the more I felt this inner strength to distance and remove these people out of my life and without any regret. And I think that's the interesting part of my journey because here I thought my whole life that this sensitive, fragile part of myself was a weakness and it was something I needed to hide and protect from the world because I thought the world was gonna completely destroy this part of myself. And you know, as an act of self-preservation, I took my emotional side and I stuffed it you know, under the bed, so to speak, in the closet. It's like I took my emotional side and I stuffed it in a closet because I was like, you know, the world 
doesn't understand you, you know, and the, the world doesn't have a threshold for you. And as much as I cared about this emotional sensitive person, I just didn't see, you know, it as a, I didn't think, I thought that in order to self-preserve myself, I needed to hide it. And it's funny because all along within that sensitivity was this hidden strength and this hidden power that gave me the courage to cut away from all of the toxic energy that I was allowing into my life. I reached the state of being where, you know, my sense of self and the way that I've accepted myself means that I'm comfortable showing up as both a strong, competitive, high-performing person and also this sensitive, emotional being. I'm, I'm comfortable being both in all the spaces that I show up in. Now, those who are unable to treat both sides with respect and who are unable to value all of me, so you know, my mind, body, and spiritual self, those people are not necessary for me to hold on to. And I recognize also with this self-acceptance is that people who risk losing you, who do things that risk losing you, don't value you. Um, that's not value. When you engage in behaviors that are harmful or that are hurtful, it doesn't make me question my value. It makes me question their idea of my value. And if it's too far gone, it tells me all that I need to know about the way that I should value those specific relationships in my life. This self-acceptance has resulted in me cutting out my family, cutting out different friendships that I've had for varying lengths of time. And, and these were relationships that I had held on to despite the way that they made me feel because of social norms and conventions that I wanted to like abide by. The thing is though, sometimes your specific situation is toxic enough that following those social norms and those conventions is not good for you and only you can know that. And you know, it's, it's like a new page, not just a new page, it's like a, a blank page and I'm starting again. Um, and the result of this new chapter is also letting go of everything that took away from my peace and learning that no matter what the future holds for me, I'm, I'm on the right path if I have that peace, you know, if I'm holding on to this peace and, you know, if this peace is still part of my journey. So this is a new beginning, and even though I've cut out family and I've cut out friends, please don't mistake that as my not valuing family and valuing friendships. I definitely have strongly value both. I think I've just redefined, I've, I've changed my definition for family and for friendships. And for me, the precondition for both are people who support, protect, and empower you, whether they're related to you by blood or not. Those that I consider my family are those people who are ready to show up for me, who are ready to support, protect, and empower me. And it's also the reason why this is the bold slogan for Project Purpose. For those of us who don't have, you know, a family biologically that does that, we can create those families. We can create those communities with people who value us and who care for us, and who don't engage in behavior that risks losing us. These are people who, can, who have the capacity to accept us, to celebrate our accomplishments, celebrate our achievements, and care enough about the relationship they have with us that they wouldn't risk losing it for personal gain. 
this is what I believe fundamentally, and this is some of the context behind, you know, the bold slogan, the support, protect, and power, um, and some of the context behind why I'm so personally passionate about building communities around this emblem, around support, protect, and empower, and creating families around the, the ideologies of support, protect, and empower, and valuing behaviors that support, protect, and empower one another. So this is the type of community that I want to create, and I hope that if it is the case that you're still watching, you're inclined to feel the same. Talk about self-love, self-acceptance, freedom from social norms and conventions. All of that was a journey for me. I promise that on the other side of the experiences and some of you know the pain that comes with self-acceptance and this journey and this freedom that I have, it's worth it. So naturally, I want to share that with all of you, only if you're open to receiving it. And that's sort of what the wellness part of Project Purpose is going to emphasize, sharing different philosophies and different ways of engaging that will help bring you closer to self-acceptance, self-love, and freedom. I'll tell you, it takes courage, it takes bravery, and it takes focus. All to say, I have a feeling that you're all up for the challenge. Here's to Delta, mind, body, and spiritual alignment, and a very happy new year to all of you. I'll see you in 2021. So just a quick aside, so starting January, of course, I'm gonna give you some time away as we celebrate the new year, and I hope that you're doing New Year's resolutions. These are my absolute favorite. They are, you know, just a part of my personal happiness and peace. Um, not the same for everyone though, so if you're not about the resolutions, totally on you. Um, so I plan on, again, so the modules, the workshops, I'm working on the pre-recording so that you can do them at your leisure with your children. Those should be available at the end of January. And as with these videos, I'm hoping to upload twice a week. So it will be Tuesday, Thursday uploads sometime in the morning on both of those dates. And I'll see you soon. Until next time.